Hello and welcome to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics. That's comic books, everybody. The only podcast in human history where two brothers talk about something they like. I'm one of the two brothers. My name is Will Hines. I'm the other brother. My name is Kevin Hines. We are comic book fans, comedian-ish. We have no qualifications to do this. We just do it out of fun. Um, We talk about the comics that we loved or are interested in and... um, Lately, we've been doing a lot of guest interviews. It's another season of guests. And today is our last episode in this in this season. Yeah, that's right. Uh, next week, we'll probably do another mailbag. And then we're going to enter into The Dark Knight Returns. Yes. Uh, which we've recorded already, I think, unless we've lost the recordings of one of <laughs> well, them. I think one of them is a little... Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll I, see what happens I have there. to okay. revisit. Uh, our guest today is Ben Rogers. Yeah, Ben Rogers is a, a guy I know from UCB Improv uh, way back in the day, uh, the early 2000s. He was a performer there. I was on a team with him for a while. So yeah, we've just known him forever. Um, super funny guy. He's in LA now. He's writing for uh, the Star Trek cartoon, uh, Lower Decks. Yep, that's right. Uh, he's got his own podcast that he does with other friends of ours. Yeah, uh, called, called Action Act- Boys. Action Boys, where they rec- they visit like action movies, right? Mostly, I think so. Yes, I th- yeah. they've they've branched out a little bit, but it's largely yeah. action movies, and it's Gabrus Ryan Stanger and Ben being insane. And yeah, he's just a super funny, nice, talented dude. Yeah, we've uh, like like Kevin said, we've known Ben really forever. Ben talks about it at the end of the interview when we just remark on how long we've known each other. Um, what I think is interesting about Ben is he's a real uh, contradiction, like. He is a sort of like dashing uh, everyman look, but then he's got true deep nerd taste in stuff mm-hmm. uh, mixed in with kind of hipster obsessions. I, I really like Ben's taste in like everything. Part of being friends with him is it's something like, oh, this guy knows about the weird, you know, VHS release of the wrong guys with Dave Foley or whatever. Yeah. He talks a little bit about like not wanting to read comics uh, uh, or not be known as that he reads comics because it'll like out him. Where I feel like uh, the the jury was out on us, even if we didn't read comics, we would that we were in that category no matter what we read. Or yeah, watched. we were going to be damned as as weird yeah. little nerds, whether we admitted to reading comics or not. Yeah, they're like you should just read comics because we think you do. Is what I was often told. But uh, Ben Ben is a sort of a del- it's like a delight to discover that Ben is a kindred spirit in a lot of like nerd taste things. And uh, like we get into in the interview, he is a really passionate comic book fan, not just like, not just like a smart guy who reads them now and then, like it's been a big Mm -hmm. part of his life. He reads tons of them. Like he's like, he discusses, he was going to be an illustrator. He wanted to be an illustrator. He's quite a good artist, which I didn't Mm -hmm. know until I knew him for like 10 years. I don't think I knew about it until this podcast. <laughs> he's 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 really just good at drawing things, even if he didn't pursue it like he once thought he was going to. So I was really just glad that we got him to be able to, to go deep on comics. And he's going to talk about 8-Ball issue number 11. Yeah. If you don't have 8-Ball, it's not something that I think you can get digitally. It's definitely not on Comixology. So if you don't have it, uh, I think the only chance to get it is like reprints or, or going to uh, comic shops. It, Unless Fanagraphics has its own digital store that I'm unaware of, but I, I don't think it's available digitally, which sort of fits with Daniel Klaus. Right. So Eight Ball was an indie comic by Dan Klaus that ran from like 1988 to 2000 and something and sporadically published. It was an anthology book that just featured lots of different little stories done by Dan Klaus and also occasional long running, bigger stories. 
but it mostly just introduced the comics yeah. world to Dan Klaus. And he's most famous probably for Ghost World, which became a, a movie starring yeah. uh, Thora Birch and Scarlett Johansson. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the issue we cover has a little bit of Ghost World in it that we spend yeah. more time talking about. Why I hate Christians. Why a two-page uh, <laughs> Why I Hate Christians strip than anything else. <laughs> Kevin, what's your what's your relationship to 8-Ball and Dan Klaus? I feel like Artie Art Comics is something you do know, but maybe not as often as you do superhero yeah. stuff. Am I right I mean, on I think, that? Or? Yeah, I, I have not read all of 8-Ball for sure. Um, I think you introduced me to 8-Ball probably when I was in high school or maybe even younger. Yeah. Uh, an issue or two, and I probably read it, and I probably was like, nah, you know, not enough punching. Um, and then I went to college and I didn't read that much. I read a lot less comics because I didn't go to comic shops regularly. So it's just sort of like what was ever on my poll list continued. And then I graduated. And then at some point after that, I like started going to good comic shops again. And I probably read some of it then. Okay. Uh, but I definitely, there's huge gaps. I have not read all of any of his storylines. I have not read all of ghost world, but I've read a lot of ghost world. I've read numerous issues mm-hmm. or, or strips uh, however you want to categorize Chapters, it I guess, yeah. i've definitely not read it like i have not sat down and read page one to page uh, you know end of page so yeah uh, i'm very familiar with a lot of his stuff uh, uh you mentioned it a little bit in this interview too like the first one which is sort of a slice of life going to a party that's sort of what i always picture for his stuff even though i think that is a small percentage of what he does uh, so I'm not as familiar with him as I should be. It's one of those guys like I should go back and read all of it. Though I think in large doses he wears on me. I like yeah. I really enjoyed reading this issue last night. Uh, I don't think I've read this issue. It was really fun. But if, I was like, oh, if I went and then read issue 12 and 13, I think it would wear me out very quickly. Yeah. Why do I think, you think the, the anger that, that everyone sort of is mad at themselves and everyone around them. It's yeah. a very unhappy world to live in, particularly when we're in sort of an unhappy reality yeah yeah it's sort of it it's tiring sometimes to sit in that um and just sort of be and like i can relate to some of it too more so more like i can relate to feeling that way in the past i don't think about that stuff as much anymore but like it definitely is very relatable in that sense but also it's like relatable and like oh yeah i would have bursts of that Mm -hmm. where this comic makes it feel like oh this is 24 7 how he feels when you say bursts of that you mean like the way the narrative is self-doubt or judgmental or yeah um sort of being like i don't fit in and i hate everyone and i want to fit in and Mm -hmm. i want everyone to like me and like that sort of Mm -hmm. spiral is very relatable i think i was just at like the right age to really get into clouds like i turned 20 in 1990 and eight ball had sort of just started and i guess that's maybe even just like a little bit old but like it was a pretty good age to just like pick up an issue of eight ball to be a big comics fan but to be a little tired of superhero comics mm-hmm. and to find eight ball was like such a breath of fresh air and of course this pre-internet time you didn't know when another issue was going to come out or when you yeah. would stumble upon one they were like little jewels that you would just see so often like in record stores or like in almost like thrift stores you'd find an issue of eight ball and it would just be kind of be special i think when i hit like sort of more indie comics when that sort of started grabbing me i was drawn towards almost like the more all ages stuff like bone was sort of like my big yeah uh, i was reading more like bone and carl barks and things like that um to get away from superheroes. How about like Richard Sala? I know that's like somebody that you're big into. I really like Richard Sala a lot too, but like, I don't find that like an angry, it's also not real at all. It's more noir, if anything else. But it's definitely like like comics that are very solidly outside of your mainstream superhero stuff. Sala's great. He just passed away recently, which is so sad. Um, 
uh, Silas stuff is great. It's very noir and angular and sort of absurd. Is how I do. It's like absurdist noir stories. Is kind of what he does. Well, I guess um, we we cover so many superhero stuff in this podcast, which I love and I love doing, and that that'll probably remain the main thing that we that we sort of hit. But I do think that any comics fan, they got their indie books, whatever it is. Like they got if something they, where they, they read them long s- enough. Yeah. And so it's always interesting to me to find out if, when I meet a comics fan, what, what's your indie stuff? Where, where do you, what, what draws you over to, to that side? <laughs> yeah. I mean, indie stuff is also like, I feel like the real indie stuff, the stuff like this, I think has gotten a lot smaller, sadly, because like now it's sort of the indie stuff is almost like, like people be like, oh, Ed Brubaker's stuff, which isn't really that indie. It's like, oh, it's crime books. It's not superheroes, but it's also, it's published by Image. It's very popular. It's it's not a guy going to a party sort of indie stuff. I mean, it's still out there, but that stuff kind of comes in bursts and, and waves. Well, uh, hopefully there'll always be some of it out there because I think it's an important part of any comic book reader's diet. Mm-hmm. So uh, Ben gets us that we get a nice deep dive into 8-Ball 11 and in Ben Rogers' comic book tastes in general. And so let's get into it. Let's do it. Ben Rogers, thank you for joining us. Hey, guys. It's a pleasure <laughs> to be here with the Brothers Hines. Yes. Uh, another yeah, old It DC is a pleasure friend. for you. Yeah, yeah it's it is. a pleasure for you. It's a real you. joy for you. Mm-hmm. Got a, an old UCB friend, uh, but uh, like, like previous UCB friends we've had on, Big comics fan, big legit fan of comics. You're one of the few people I know. Is it a spinner rack that you have in your apartment, or is it just a just a metal wire rack? I've got a wire rack. I, I don't have a spinner rack for but it's, it's for still my like comic books. Retail it's, it's comics display, yeah. yeah. Which I think is like that's that's a pretty ir- irrefutable badge of comic geekdom. I think. Do you rotate the comics that's in that rack or is it uh, a Every set? once in a while, a few have gotten sun bleached because I put it in a, in a, in a, a pretty stupid spot for a little while. So <laughs> I've, I've shuffled those out or I've kept them up to kind of take the, the hit. Most sure, yeah, of them yeah. are all worthless. It's just so people don't come at me. I mean, I, I buy a lot of covers based on uh, or a lot of comics based on the ridiculousness of the cover mm-hmm. and that will get a, a premium spot. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's only for a cover display. I mean, why, what other, what other purpose is there? It doesn't keep them protected and safe. It's not bagged and boarded or, or you whatever. find a lot of weird ones. I keep, I keep these ones for the most part bagged and boarded because um, otherwise they all start drooping and it gets mm-hmm. real sad, but yeah, I'll find some, either ones with amazing artwork or artists that I like or just completely bizarre and weird. Who do you got in there now? What's an example of somebody you got in there now? Um, I'm looking at it right now. Like a captain savage and the Leatherneck Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like my impression of when I've, sp- when I've, stopped by and spotted it's like a lot of like it feels like tales from the crypty 50s ec genre type stuff even if it's yeah. not actually but then i got stuff. like underdog comics oh you're right <laughs> sure i mean well you gotta um i know it's not i don't have it displayed but i did for a little while it was like the story of the pope <laughs> <laughs> i mean that can only be told in comic book form yes so that's- marvel and it's marvel too <laughs> I like Marvel was so fucking 
pumped about the Pope <laughs> coming to town. Is that John Paul? Like, John, uh, John Paul, yeah. uh, John Paul the second. I think we had that too, Will, didn't we? We had Mother Teresa number one. Oh, okay. That's <laughs> they did. They did a mini series about the life of Mother Teresa, and I bought the first issue. I don't know why. I mean, EC was a lot of like religious comics. It's funny that they're like fucking religious people will buy all this shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Ben, what's your what's the story of you as a comics fan? Uh you were you into them pretty young? How'd this happen? I was into them very young. Um <laughs> and I I can tell you a couple things that really like brought it home for me. Um Obviously, like the 1989 Batman movie was a pretty seminal thing for people of my age. Mm -hmm. And then the following year, Marvel released um, trading cards with all their super. Now, I was already into superheroes. I don't I I think just like as a kid, you just inherently like them Mm -hmm. and probably see them in cartoons and stuff. Mm -hmm. And just the imagery is attractive to you. But I got so fucking hardcore into these cards. Those cards were really big, man, for uh, an age group of which you are part of, I guess. Yeah. I, I mean, and like, and, and a lot of people liked them, I remember, but most people outgrew them pretty quickly and got bored of them. And I was obsessive about getting them all, memorizing all the information, <laughs> drawing them all. Like if, if a babysitter came over, I would like demand that they tell me like which one's their favorite and then I would draw them. And I, and in retrospect, a lot of times it was like gross. They would be like, I like this guy's chest. <laughs> and I would be like, okay, here you go. Here's Captain Britain. It's <laughs> <laughs> a broad shouldered guy. I mean, and you, and you are an illustrator, Ben, you're, you're, you're a good artist. Uh, For a good chunk of my life, I thought I was going to be a comic book artist. I mean, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a cartoonist. And it wasn't until, you know, I had a falling out with an art teacher in high school that I was like, fuck art school. (laughs) And um, and then I I started, I dated and lived with a professional illustrator who would take me to uh, like drawing parties and stuff where artists would just kind of like hang out and draw and drink and like gossip. And they were all so, I realized I had been lapped. I went from like being cocky, like the cock of the walk in my high school. Yeah. And then like letting years go by and then realizing like, oh, okay, this is what a professional does. They all finished things as I scribbled about like yeah. three inches on a page. Right. But how many trading cards did they have comparatively <laughs> yeah. speaking? Yeah. How many I, I would say Britain? another like huge moment for me as a comic book reader was, um, and I think this made me a Spider-Man guy kind of for life as far as like, like superhero stuff goes. Um, in the corner store that I used to go to, it was called We Never Close. Pretty clever name. The hmm. um, And it was. It was open 24 hours. Oh, wow. They had a little, uh, a little magazine stand. And every once in a while, there would be comics in there. And somehow, I convinced my mom to let me get a... I think it was a like Marvel Comics presents reprint of Spider-Man 100. So the that's six arm Spidey. That's the six arm Spider-Man story. <laughs> so like I just happened to get that and it's really good. It's a really good story cuz Spider-Man's got to like 
he's got he's trying to get rid of be, himself being Spider-Man, I, I believe. Gets six arms, is <laughs> dealing with uh, the lizard and Morbius, the living vampire, all at the same time. So it's like juggling a lot of stuff. My memory serves me correctly. Mm-hmm. So the the um by a miracle, I happen <laughs> to go back to the store again the next week, kind of in a similar like I mean, the odds of this happening when you're a little kid are just so minute. We're like, we happen to be going to the same store. I happen to check the comic book rack again. They had the following issue. Ah. And my mom was okay with buying it. Like all those things had to happen. The stars aligned. Yeah. So like I actually, for the first time, got to follow through and get a continue, like, which never happens. I mean, you get (laughs) like some like, here's issue seven of nine. And you just got to kind of like, guess what happened before (laughs) and what happened after. And you're happy about it. Yeah. I mean, uh, I got to imagine when you were a kid, that's sort of nearing the end of like comics even being sold in like convenience stores and supermarkets and stuff because of that, like uh, they didn't sell that what they were selling worse and worse and they're harder for people to keep track of. It's like, Oh, I'm getting random issues. I can't really follow a book. So you either subscribed or you went to a comic book shop. Yeah. And I got to say, this was an incredibly unpopular time for comics, like to actually read them. What are we talking? When this is, this is the uh, early nineties when Marvel, when, when collectors really started to um, see money from their old collection from the sixties and people started to invest in like, number ones and uh, number zeros and holographic and chrome covers and shit like that. Um, and the comics were bad. Yeah. A lot. They were just cranking stuff out. Marvel comics went bankrupt. I mean, they went on. I mean, I was so into comics. I remember my parents being like, we should maybe buy some stock in Marvel. And then it, <laughs> it abruptly went bankrupt. after yeah. that. It was run very poorly. Um, so, so like, so, I didn't have any friends that were into comics. No one I knew read them. I mean, it was a pretty solitary experience of like this is up in uh, into the, Buffalo, New York, right? Yeah, this is in Buffalo, New York. A, a place opened up near me called Flight into Fantasy, <laughs> uh, and I would start walking to, which is now I think a tattoo parlor. Um, but I would walk there every Wednesday, pick up my. Terrible Spider-Man books. I read Spider-Man <laughs> probably during the worst era of his run. <laughs> like Clone Saga Spider-Man. Yeah. Where they, they they briefly tried to replace Peter Parker with his clone, who they, <laughs> they, they then said was the real Peter Parker. Yeah. And they, uh, and people were uh, understandably mad about that idea. That was, and they fucked with his costume. It was. I kind of thought the Scarlet Spider looked pretty cool, and I've seen him like when I go back. I I can't. I don't read Spider Man anymore. It's like mm-hmm. our relationship is too like it's it's still too friendly. Like, <laughs> like got burned too deep. much. It's yeah. It was like scars. Um, I related to him too much and it was like too big a part of my life where I'm not like, I think I got to just like keep moving away from. So Spider-Man. what's that like? So when you're, when you're a kid, you're into superhero books, you're, you're getting them wherever you can get them. What happened when you were like a snobby teenager getting upset with your art teacher? Are you still reading superhero books then? Or are you reading comics at all? I'm reading less comics. I'm more into kind of the stuff I wanted to talk about today. Like, like, 
independent comic books and mm-hmm. more like um weirder funnier shit like i kind of like i remember being in eighth grade being like i gotta stop buying like if anybody found these comic books like eighth I, grade. there's no it's indefensible <laughs> I went through something similar, but I think it was like my senior year of high school. Like, <laughs> I think I was reading superhero books definitely pretty happily up through my junior year of high school. Uh, and then I, it wasn't really that I was unhappy with them, but v- via reading Sandman comics and then Love and Rockets, I got into sort of any kind of independently published black and white stuff sort of caught my eye which led me into like Dan Klaus and yeah. um, Chris Ware and stuff. Um, and it, it was hard to find this shit for me. Like it, it was, I, I mean, I remember reading about it in wizard magazine, which I also yeah. was like a huge devotee. Of. Yeah. Early wizard actually did talk about non superhero stuff. I think that went away as that comic magazine continued, but early on it actually did. Thank, luckily, like talk about some of the other uh, outside the superhero stuff, which is nice. Can I just say, Wizard Magazine was a fucking treat. It, <laughs> it, it once a month, like when you went on a, like a Wednesday and it was like you realized it was the Wednesday that Wizard Magazine came out. It was like, fuck yeah, we're eating fat tonight. Like, <laughs> it, it was so, it was such a fucking like boon because, because you kind of felt like, it, you got a hundred comics in wizard. Like it gave you kind of the synopsis of what was coming out. And it was almost mm-hmm. like a cheat of like, okay, well now I don't need to read the Peter David Hulk, but I, <laughs> now I know it's good. <laughs> you don't need to go through the, the bother of reading a comic that is good. You just know about it. But yeah, I, I fully abandoned it at a certain point. Cause I was like a horny fucking freshman that was like, Oh, n- n- no one will ever let me finger them. If I, they know I read comic books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that was uh, the stuff that was running through my head. At the time. And so what, what comics are we talking like? So you move away from Spider-Man and your superhero stuff. What is it just yeah, well, sort of whatever you happen to run into? Do you remember any things in particular that caught your uh, interest? I mean, a, a Big thing for me was the Crumb documentary. Um, the, the Terry Zwigoff film? Yeah. So my parents went to see the Crumb doc at um, a theater in Buffalo, New York called um, uh, the, you know what? I can't fucking remember. It was right there for a second ago, but <laughs> it'll, <laughs> it'll come back to me. Wow. It's on, um, it's on Hurdle Avenue. The fuck was the name of that theater? Anyway, it's the art Cost, theater. You're costing there. them. You're costing them sales. Mm-hmm. I thought you're, I'd give them a nice plug, and people from yeah. Buffalo would, would be thrilled to hear it. Yeah. Now it's gone. <laughs> you blew it. That's what happens. <laughs> that opportunity is gone forever. So the um, they were watching it, and they were like, "Holy shit, this guy draws like Ben draws." Because at the time, that's that's was very much like the style I was I was into, like that kind of those those kind of lines. Um, and so like, I, I think I think of it as like I mean truly just crumb style stuff, but like trippy seventies underground, almost like stoner cartoons or something like that. Yeah, but he's got a really distinctive line that he draws. Like like you can kind of pop, pick his stuff out, even if it's not tripped out. I have a bunch of issues on the rack actually of <laughs> um, Art and Beauty magazine, uh, which is him just going through and drawing, you know the women he's attracted to because he's a <laughs> pervert. Um, and uh, so I've always been a big fan of his because uh, and my it 
and I kind of felt like I lucked out. My parents seeing that they bought me a bunch of uh, technical pens, um, which was also fucking awesome because before then I was using Bix and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, How old are you when this happens? Because the crumb doc was the mid nineties, I think. This is mid nineties. Yeah. Okay. Um, so then, and that's kind of right when I was like in junior high, high school mm-hmm. and um, the, that upped my game a little bit. And it also like opened me up into like, Oh, there's other shit out there. That's a little bit um, like the arts a little bit more interesting. Cause it's like, yeah, it's guys who are doing it for art's sake and less cause they got to crank out pages cause for a paycheck. Yeah, fewer, fewer guys getting punched through buildings, but otherwise, yeah. Good stuff and I'm going. a fan. I mean, I don't want to come off as a snob on this because, like, I like, you know, I like fucking Swamp Thing and shit. Like, I, for a while, I was like, oh, maybe we'll talk about like uh, the Swamp Thing with the vampires underwater and shit. But the um, <laughs> and there there is a divide because, like, as I grew up, like as I entered my twenties and shit, I was like, I'm not reading superhero shit. Like, yeah, I'm fucking done with that. And I kind of took on the, the mentality of a lot of the independent guys who were like, yeah. man, fuck all these like shit, but I enjoy them still. And, and over the last couple of years, I've, I've gotten back into reading kind of more all over the, the I would the say you're a pretty voracious reader, at least right now in the last couple of years. Like, yeah. Just a couple of months ago, Ben and I met for coffee. He brought me a grocery bag full of comics that he had read and he passed on and they're I I don't mean to to out you, but they're real mainstream basic stuff. Oh boy, there yeah. it is. The truth is out there. Yeah. Handing off bags I'm, of superhero stuff. I'm uh, well, I'm fully back into reading like I think it's a nostalgia for when I was in like, you know, fifth and sixth grade, walking to the comic book store and just like picking up a batch of like shit from DC and Marvel. Now, granted, I still subscribe to, um, I get a subscription from desert Island, our old place in Brooklyn. Wow. Uh, this is a Partly, comic book shop in Brooklyn, but to call it a comic book shop, it's really more of an art book shop. Like yeah. with a comics kind of bent, like they were more into wild looking illustration. That's not where you would go to get your, monthly spider-man book you'd get there and it'd be like a bunch of zines done by you know wannabe respected artists and then like fantagraphics stuff that was being sort of published and not hyped too much right i mean mm-hmm. it's a pretty it's a pretty inspiring spot i always thought like you can buy a bunch of old like you buy an old mad magazine but then you can also buy um uh you you can buy a johnny ryan book or like some other fanographics book, um, just and local art and stuff. And my girlfriend yeah. at the time worked there and it was great. I would just hang out there all day and read books. Um, and I still get like they very smartly during the pandemic because I was worried about them going out of business. Um, it's run by a guy named Gabe, I can't remember his last name, but he you can now get a subscription through them where he just sends you a random mix of books. It's like 30 bucks or something like a grab Um, bag. Yeah. It gives you a grab bag and is like, it's at least will equal what you're paying. Um, so you get a bunch of random shit. Uh, so now my, I have like too many books everywhere and now I'm (laughs) like reading all sorts of comics, both good and bad. A lot of the stuff I pick up, 
I buy, I mean, it's also being a, an adult is fucking awesome because like <laughs> you can just be like, you know what? Fuck it. I'll buy this dumb shit. <laughs> yeah. I'll try a lot of things for an issue or two. Yeah. It's like, yeah, hey, what's, what's the harm. And then if I don't like it, I'll stop reading it. Yeah. I mean, the harm is we're just, you know, like creating waste and, um, but I do, it's all going to wind up in a digitally landfill. now. Oh, dude, so, that's smart. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I, mean, I don't have space for things. So I, uh, I I'm get a tactile person. Things I really like. I need yeah, the, the actual physical yeah, copies. I prefer, I prefer the issues, but it's just the, I have so many boxes of comics that I are, are just sitting there that I'm like, I'll buy the collections of things I want to read a second time. But otherwise my parents, um, because I had like all these boxes at when I was a kid, um, for my investment in my sure, worthless yeah, yeah. comic books all carefully packed away. <laughs> my parents came to visit me, I don't know, probably like five years ago. <clears throat> I remember my dad walking in and seeing my comic book rack and he was like, how'd you get all these over here? And I do explain, I was like, no, I bought these since I was a child. <laughs> <laughs> these, are, these aren't the same ones. <laughs> it's like a magic um, trick. Well, I'm 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 happy for your issue pick, Kevin. Maybe we, do you think we should move on to talk about uh? Yeah. April? Should we take a fake break before we talk about April? Oh yeah, let's take a fake break and then we'll move into talking about this issue. Hi, this is Kevin. I'm here with my brother Will, and we are the hosts of Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics, our weekly podcast about comic books. And we want to hear from you. We have a slew of social media accounts, a slew. You can email us at screwitcomics at gmail.com or see us on Instagram at screwitcomics or tweet at us at screwitcomics. So tell us what you think of the comics you like or the comics you don't or things we've talked about on our episodes. Or send us some life advice. You can tell that we need it. Yes. Uh, we might read your message on a future episode of our show. So thanks in advance from Screw It, we're just going to talk about comics from Campfire Media. Um, so, Ben, we're going to talk about 8-Ball by Dan Klaus, issue 11. I think it's Klaus, right? I say Klaus. Um, um, I don't know how you say it. Dan I, I remember Klaus. reading in an interview that it rhymed with cows. Um, There's a joke in the letter page where someone asks how it's pronounced. They give two options, and he says neither. Yeah. In this <laughs> issue. I mean, I do. There's a joke in this also where a girl comes up to him and is like, Mr. Close. Right, right. I'm like, oh, God, it, it's so good. Um, so I was really glad you picked this because I think like eight ball is like it, it is such a great representation of a certain like mentality that indie comics is really good at. Um, so I'm really curious to hear you talk about it and why why you like it. Um so before I get into my dumb opinions, Ben, let's hear you. Why, why'd you pick this issue? Uh, I thought this was a good, just, it starts. Uh, so the first 10 eight balls, the big story in them is uh, called like a velvet glove cast in iron. And it's um, mixed with a bunch of smaller, uh, funny, short comics. Um, or gags in there. Um, and I like them all, but I feel like with each issue of eight ball, he keeps getting better and better. And he's a really skilled artist. I mean, this, he's my favorite. So, yeah. I mean, like I'm, no I was, Dan Klaus is like my all time favorite. I like, I like him better than anybody else. And he is, and it's, it's fun to talk to you guys about it because like 
you both knew me probably right when I like hardcore got into it. And I would say he was maybe the biggest influence of my twenties. Yeah. Um, which like, you know, obviously I was hanging around with you guys in New York during that whole time. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was more of an influence than we were. You don't think that we were your biggest influence? Yeah. I mean, I feel like Probably even at least. I mean, it was actually your brother was probably Our younger Ryan brother. Was really, wow. yeah, Brian was probably the biggest influence on me as far as like the Heinz go. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, because this just, was a, this Cloud. is like a middle of his run, and it, he starts Ghost World, which is probably his most well-known thing in this issue. Yeah, I I, I love when I I didn't realize that, but when I read it for this episode, I was like. Ghost World gets started, and it, and what a great beginning for Ghost World! I didn't realize that was the first Ghost World uh, in here, but because um, uh, it's sort of just like an isolated little. It felt like a Tales of Ghost World almost. Right, he didn't he didn't plan on it being yeah. anything more than that. Yeah. Um, so I think we should say for the people who may be listening who maybe have never, never like dove into Dan Klaus, uh, um. I'll try to summarize it, Ben, but do you want to correct me if I say this kind of like inaccurately, but like, and I'm actually not an expert in his life, but in terms of like, as a comics fan, he -hmm. is like an indie comics guy. Um, He has done a wide variety of stuff, but I would say initially this series eight ball, it, it leaned a lot on humor. There was a lot of like outrageous, funny, short, um, you know, three to four page things. Um, and then also longer, like like a velvet glove cast an iron, very surreal, creepy, disturbing stories. And so it was like a real trip to read a Dan Klaus comic. It was funny and weird. Like Ben said, he's yeah. a talented artist. So it was always drawn like very well. And he also switched styles a lot and then also had his own kind of style. And I would say the number one thing I know, I think about Dan Klaus is like, slightly grotesque but realistic portraits of human beings like every human being in a dan klaus comic looks just a little ugly even the people who are supposed to be beautiful yeah they're not unrealistic he just slightly accentuates like an open mouth or a sweaty brow or a slightly Mm -hmm. shivering eye and everything looks just a little nightmarish but in a way that's (laughs) both funny and interesting and that like that the klaus look is like so particular and i run into people all the time who i think of them as like oh that's like a klaus character yes um and and i think his acting is very underrated the subtle uh additions he makes to every character um to get he's got really subtle acting in his comics which you don't see a lot and it's it's kind of like what you were saying uh will with the mouth is just hanging open just a little bit <laughs> or like even the way he makes certain guys sweat a little bit or, or like this guy's wall-eyed just the right way. Um, it adds a fucking weird dim- dimension to it. And it, yeah, I, I think all that stuff you said makes total sense. If one of the first things that really hooked me and I had read an eight ball when I was in high school and I, I was like, yeah, that's fine. Okay. Um, and, and then the movie came out and I was like, yeah, I, I like the movie, the movie ghost world. Yeah. The movie ghost world. Um, and I was like, yeah, that was pretty good. Um, but then I picked up a collection of, um, and I was actually talking to, I was at a, a bar 
Um, I was an underage drinker at a bar talking to um, Kevin Dorf. Okay. Writer, okay. Comedy um, writer for Conan, Conan O'Brien. And um, former and, Second City guy, a colleague of Tina Fey back in the improv days. And I was a huge fan and he was always uh, nice to me and didn't yeah. mind an annoying fucking child <laughs> <laughs> asking him about comedy. And um, the he was like, oh, have you seen 21st Century 8-Ball yet? And I was like, no. And he's like, oh, you got to pick it up. And so they had finally collected all of the 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 short comedy pieces Will was referring to in one trade paperback. And I got that and I was like, okay, this is the funniest shit I've ever read. <laughs> yeah, um, I feel like a Klaus comic to me, what's really interesting is uh, it is a combination of extremely broad, lowbrow stuff. And then like, like Ben was saying, very subtle character studies, often in the same piece. Uh, and that's kind of the fun of reading a, a Klaus book. And I think it's how Ben was saying it just Klaus was a big influence. Like there, Klaus is a sensibility beyond just like any art style. Like his sense of humor is like a lens to look at the world. And it's basically a sarcastic, hipster, self-loathing, judgmental, hilarious, angry view of the world. Yeah, there's yeah, definitely angry. some anger. It's like funny reading nerd anger, it now. Nerd anger, like kind of in yeah. the back row being like, I deserve all this. Oh, no, I don't. I'm a piece of crap like that. Yeah. And just how much I related to it in my 20s, even though he's a fucking full generation before me um, and <laughs> yeah. would probably hate me. You know, it's like, <laughs> well, I he talks about it. The, the first selection in this book is called The Party. And I think this is like one of the most seminal clouds pieces. Well, even before, before you get into that, what are, like just talking about all the different things, just as like a quick overview, just kind of shows kind of the um, eclectic nature of an issue, right? Because the first story is sort of a slice of life, real tale almost of, of his. There's a, a story about like his fears about Hollywood uh, well, adapting yeah, his I, comic. I think like a real tale, Kevin, is is important to say. Like uh, another thing that struck me, and it was a pleasure just going through and rereading mm -hmm. this, is how personal all the stories are, like big or small. Yeah. Like there is I, an undercurrent of like, oh, this is something this guy really feels. Like, do you have the issue in front of you there, Ben? I do. Yeah. Why don't Why don't you go through each segment? Just tell us the title and just what it is, because I I think like what Kevin is saying is that'll be a really good like kind of lay of the land of all the stuff this issue covers or do you want to do and, that or, do you, or yeah or? sure like and i gotta say like an, this thing is fucking packed it's packed yeah with, with just good art even the ads which drive you somebody like me crazy because it's like here's a bunch of cool shit that you could buy for four dollars in 1992 or yeah. whenever you're like fuck i would love to have that so the first <laughs> segment is called the party and that's, you know, a, 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 a f like four pages. And then we get the gripe exchange, which is his leather letter page. And then we get a story that it's about him going to Hollywood and selling the rights to the comic I was referring to before and it getting made into a movie that's like a true piece of shit. And even that story is great because it's like told from the, the point of two people renting it and why and from like the bargain bin. Then we get this really bizarre story that I had forgotten about and I loved 
It's him illustrating an old Irish folktale. It's called The Fairy Frog. And it's got a real like Lynchian vibe. And it's, yeah. even how he draws it, he uses a lot more dark panels and and really thick lines in some of the uh, the backgrounds. I mean, it looks great. Klaus is the kind of person where I was like, is that a real folktale that he found or did he make it up and he's pretending like he found it? Like I could see it either way. I, well, what I love about it is I, I, it, I think it's uh, real because he gives the, um, he gives the book. In, yeah, it feels uh, the, real. And when you read the text and separate it from the image, he's doing a lot of great work. Um, like, the last panel, for example, of this Irish folktale is um, the text is from the from the folktale itself. From that day on, she had only one eye. And and I've never read this, so I, I, I think this is all him. He draws her further in the future, older, and she's like kind of overweight. She's got a she's a nun now. And then you see this creepy fairy guy in the background behind a tree. And that's all him. He's just like piecing together this whole story in just that frame. Yeah. Off of that one line of like, okay, what would she look like in the future? And then let's have this guy who's still taunting her. And it's mm -hmm. kind of scary. Yeah. yeah. It's truly creepy and scary. Yeah. So, uh, so we got we have... that. <laughs> we got the happy fisherman, which is <laughs> so weird. like more akin to what I was uh, saying before of like, it's, it's, I mean, it's still kind of long, but it's ridiculous. It's like so different. Um, he has this great anthology presence where it's like the, the feel of these stories is so all over the place. And the happy fisherman is the kind of shit when I was 20 years old, we would be like, this is the funniest fucking thing. <laughs> um, it's insane. All the it's characters insane. are crazy. It doesn't I think too. Oh, go ahead, Ben. And you can I, hear, I can hear everybody's voice in my head. It like, mixes styles it's like these crazy um like the main character is from some dumb thing i mean i have too much klaus information in my head i have i highly recommend if you want to take a deep dive picking up the daniel klaus interviews book which came out in like i don't know 2010 um but i remember somebody in it like maybe in the introduction is like you guys don't understand in the 90s Dan Klaus was the internet. He was who we would go to for, you know, all the shit you look up on YouTube and like, and like, wow, this is pretty weird. He was that he would have all that stuff. And he had all this random fucking ephemera that you're like, what is this shit? Including uh, like, I think it was like a toy or a t-shirt or a towel. I can't remember off the top of my head. That was the happy fisherman. And it was like this fisherman, like getting his dick sucked by a fish. And so like, <laughs> so he's like, all right, I'm going to just make a little adventure with this guy. going into this, like, fucking Crack neighborhood full of like guys populated that I imagine sound like Billy Bob Thornton or something. Um, and just well, it's the a but I, uh, the, what the the happy fisherman to me also represents something about clouds, which is like a subtle, like constant 
in in his in his funny stuff like he's making fun of the genre of comics as he's in it like mm-hmm. this is presented the happy fisherman as if that's a character we're supposed to know you know as if it's like richie rich or something yeah and then it's got also <laughs> feet also, also starring, starring smitty and furberger <laughs> in little circles on the, yeah, on the opening the panel. yeah yes. it's like as if it's like also featuring jughead and veronica yeah. As it, it's, uh, but of course, these are new characters and they are unlikable, hateful scumbags <laughs> that would not be suitable recurring characters in any comic that would use the also featuring convention, <laughs> right? Like he's he seems weirdly <laughs> mad at himself as he's doing these stories or uh, mad at comics or just like. And it's it's almost hostile and vicious, the world that he puts Happy Fisherman in. I mean, it's so funny. But it is it is just like there's always the, the sense of humor of Dan Klaus is like a kid who just wants to give the middle finger to everybody and thinks it's so funny to do that. I think I always love in the background of his stuff that he um the world seems to be ending <laughs> <laughs> almost always or like the worst shit is taking place in the background, like in the like third panel of the Happy Fisherman, a guy blows his fucking head off in, in the background. Yeah. yeah. And you see it very graphically. The back of yeah. his skull is being blown out. So the happy fisherman goes up to a guy and says, uh, excuse me, sir. Can you direct me to the old fishing hole? Ah, beat it. I'm busy. Blam. That guy shoots himself. <laughs> what he's busy doing is killing himself. It's time consuming. It's time. Just even thing. like to follow up on Will's point of like, these characters are terrible and they're not like, characters you would see when he talks about his old friends been forever since i've seen been to the old fishing hole and talked to and seen my old friends the talking rock and that little indian feller yeah just like as if those are characters we never see (laughs) them mentioned again like they're in some bad 50s like tv morning show for kids yeah where the main character has got a a fish perpetually on his dick (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then we have, um, again, the ads he draws for himself are all incredible um, between stories. A very short story called Why I Hate Christians. And this is so fucking good because he's got a a character called the Devil's Advocate in it. Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, Dan Klaus is represented in Why I Hate Christians. He's got like a little avatar for himself basically ranting to us, the reader, about why he hates Christians. Uh, that little avatar itself is drawn like a grotesque marionette, kind of. It's like a football-shaped head. It's like Stewie mm-hmm. from Family Guy. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think that's accurate. And this, to me, this is like another classic Klaus story of the era. Um, I, it was so hard for me to decide. If I could, like, mix and match, I would have, like, picked a bunch of different ones probably for you but i think this one had a really good um mix of the sensibility of his stuff like uh i hate he he did one called i hate you deeply yes which is so fucking funny which is him just talking about all the people that drive him crazy and it got so much like mail from readers that he had a follow-up uh issue called um there's panel called um, I love you tenderly, which was like him <laughs> trying to like put make, the, trying to make nice. 
Yeah, but there's still so much fucking... In I Love You Tenderly, he does like three panels of, I love this, I love this. Oh, wait, except for this. And then it goes right back into hating stuff for the rest (laughs) of I Love You Tenderly. But this, it's... you. Even just a title, Ben, Why I Hate Christians, (laughs) in like big letters at the top of the page. If you're like a kid... In a comic store, there's indie stuff. You see something called Eight Ball. It feels a little lurid and forbidden. You pick it up, you flip through it, and then there's just a page that says why I hate Christians. It's so outrageous before you've even read the segment itself. Yeah. But the, the, to me, the genius thing about it is it's him, his avatar having a conversation with the devil's advocate who is clearly labeled that, and he's just the devil guy smoke with a top hat smoking a cigarette. And the work this devil's advocate is doing of undercutting Klaus mm-hmm. and like cutting to the core of like, Hey man, isn't this your own personal shit that you have problems with? <laughs> like, yes, it's so smart. And it's what separates this from a shitty rant on the internet. Right. Like I, I could imagine like a more punk rock magazine where some guy who plays bass in the like flaming Reagans or something <laughs> has like drawn his own zine and it's just pure vitriol with like no subtlety and no real sense of humor. Klaus, so why I hate Christians? It's like, okay, we're going to get a bunch of anti-Christian stuff. The main Stewie character, first of all, is not angrily ranting. He's kind of being like, yeah, I don't know. I don't get it, blah, blah, blah. But then the devil character, it's so, first of all, the devil character's art is really good, right? Like it looks like a very- The art, the art is incredible. He's, um, it's and again, it's a completely different style of art than all the previous stories we've seen up to this point. It, it feels like almost like a info comic, like uh, how to survive a, a nuke dropping sort of duck and cover type of style. Or yeah, yes, it seems like a bad ad for like mm-hmm. cigarettes or something that yeah, you right. see before a movie um, so- in the sixties. <laughs> But not only do we have the devil's advocate undercutting clouds with these very thoughtful rebuttals, like um, what's wrong with people who are just nice to each other? Aren't there those kind of Christians also? You know, aren't you cherry picking some unfair examples? Then we also get like a lot of personal confession stuff about Klaus' life, like about his mom and his grandma and moving to a city when he's young to live with a girl only to have her be religious. Like it's very confessional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it all it goes back to like, personal stuff that's happened to him and his life is interesting i mean i think he was basically like raised by his grandparents his his mom um was like an auto mechanic in chicago uh yeah the I didn't and then that. he went to pratt in brooklyn um where he wanted to be a fine artist also there's um, just there's i want to say his dialogue so his lettering, he does his lettering. The the style of his letters is very cool. It's got serifs and like kind of looks old timey. It's it's hand handwritten, obviously. But then he also like bold faces certain words, and that reminds me of old Mad Magazine style speech balloons, where there's the bold faces being used to give the rhythm of the dialogue. Like it's and it's he's clearly a huge EC Mad Magazine nut, fan. Yeah. Like the dialogue um, here is funnier because of the way the words that are bold faced. Like, um, and I, I think his first job in comics was uh, on Cracked. I think he 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 got like just um, a couple. He talks shit about Cracked now, but like that like was he, his first break. And why I hate Christians is a panel where he remembers asking his mom about religion. 
Later, I asked my mom who had dealt with a lot of personal tragedy in her life. Now I'm going to read the mom's response, but I'm going to say louder the bold-faced words. I tried to go to church for a while, but the whole time I kept thinking, if God is so fucking great, why doesn't he just prove it? And there's, I don't know, it's lively somehow. It's like, it's spirited and fun. It's, it's one of these guys who is really good at the convention of comics, even if he's kind of picking outrageously funny subjects to present even, them. But even in that little panel, when you see how, so it's a flashback and we described how this guy's like a weird stewie fucking football head guy. Yeah. Um, then it's like in the 13, there's a little arrow that's like 13 and he's got like no zits. neck. <laughs> he's got zits more like a shitty bowl cut and like fucking a dumb and his like arms are just dangling vacant. that makes him look <laughs> awkward and weird. He's got a vacant like cow look on his face. And then his mom, and then he's got a little arrow. That's my mom. She's just marching. Ang and you can feel so much about her. And it's like, this is a fucking still image. And you yes. somehow know how she's walking. Well, yeah, it's like, that's my mom, exclamation point. And she looks a little angry. And here she is telling her son that she doesn't believe in God. Uh, who's 13. Yeah. How much is revealed in that panel for yeah. this could just be a joke page. Why I hate Christians. Well, just how she's telling him is more than anything else. Right. It's like, he's so fucking great. Like, she's so, <laughs> yeah. And like annoyed, he's asking and yeah, they're yeah. like walking somewhere and like, it's like they're late. It's the, um, um, you, you learn so much. And I guess that's one of the things that makes Klaus such a great artist is you start reading something that looks like it's going to just be a surface joke and like an angry little punk rock move. And then all these little things happen. You're like, this guy is incredible. And he's not for everybody. I've tried to get other people into him. I think you got to be like a little into comics to fully appreciate him. Yeah. I've given it, I've given, I've, I used to just buy those 21st uh, century uh, um, trades. I used to have like a collection of them and I would hand them out to people. I would, I would be like, <laughs> read this or if like, um, an old improv student asked me what to read or something, and I would give them one. Um, I, I think also, like, he does have a ton of anger. Like, he's angry. His characters are angry. The world is hostile. People are quite mean. Like, a lot of Dan Klaus comics, you meet, like, a stranger, and the stranger's like, go fuck yourself. And it's as a, and it's presented as kind of like, isn't that funny how mean this person is? And I think a even, lot of people are just not into being immersed in such an yeah. angry even the world. characters that are good friends the ghost world uh characters just are sort of like always sort of one step away from hating each other it feels like yeah uh, i mean i thought like there's a lot friends. of tension because like even this the the devil's advocate and like this little klaus avatar they it feels like just two people having a little like pithy argument um, yeah. in this last panel where it's like, so this old lady who not like, it's like, this guy won't drop it of like, so what's your yeah. fucking problem? Yes. Like, it, I'll it, say the devil is maybe the nicest guy in this book. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the, so the, next, the next big the next story is Ghost, is Ghost World. World. Yeah. And it's, it's so awesome, right? Like next to this garish, you know, the happy fisherman with a fish sucking his dick. And then even why I hate Christians with all its sensitivity is still pretty like, outrageous you get this like incredible slice of life story so it's worth also pointing out that um with the exception of the party which is <laughs> which has like a 60s 
TV like font to it. Will mentioned how good he is at at just drawing his lettering in mm-hmm. uh, in dialogue. He's also incredible at writing the titles. And the party is is has a subtitle in color, and that's all in color. All the other stories are black and white, except for Ghost World, which he has um, given a blue hue to uh, throughout, which gives it a, a feel on its own. Yeah. Um, Ghost World is immediately more natural and grounded than the other stuff we've seen before, even though there is outrageous stuff in it. This is more like, yeah, it's more like a realistic, you can picture it happening in the real world. It's aged in a, in a really fascinating way where they still seem so real to me, but they are Mm -hmm. fully existing in an alien time. When you think about two teenage girls now, it's none, none of this exists anymore. (laughs) Yeah, I, the, I think panel three is so telling of what we're in for. It's Enid Coleslaw, which is an anagram of Daniel Klaus. Uh, Enid Coleslaw talking to, what's your name? Rebecca Doppelmeyer? Yeah. Um, those are the two girls in Ghost World. And Enid is looking at Sassy Magazine. Um, Rebecca's watching a stand-up on television. And Enid says, I hate this fucking magazine. These stupid girls think they're so hip, but they're just a bunch of trendy, stuck-up prep school bitches who think they're, quote, cutting edge because they know who, quote, Sonic Youth is. And Rebecca's answer is, you're a stuck-up prep school bitch. And then um, that's kind of the end of the discussion of Sassy Magazine. And it's definitely Dan Clow's opinion of Sassy being filtered through Enid. So um, do you, do you guys know the story of that? The, um, there's a great book. No. That the, so if, I mean, it's worth picking up if you got the money to, to buy it. Oh, we got tons looks, of money. We're podcast it stars. Looks, <laughs> it looks incredible. Um, but they came out with a compilation of all the eight balls and two hardcover uh, books with a nice slip case. And you take them out of the slip case and inside our guts he drew. It's like, I, I feel like I'm I'm not doing it justice. Like inside like, the box. The inside the box is just organs of like <laughs> actual guts. Um, and so the, uh, after they're split in between um, issue one to 10. Which has Velvet Glove. Then, yeah, Velvet Glove. And then 11 to 20, um, which has Ghost World in it. And, and also he gets more serious and there's more substantial stuff in that. He gets, there's, there's less volume of just like silly, outrageous stuff. Yeah, I would say. And then when he, after eight ball 20, he did just straight up standalone issues that were just one, I think it was like David boring. Yeah. Death Ray. Ice Death Haven. Ray. Yeah. Ice Haven. I think he was already done with it. No, I think that is an eight ball. I think that is an eight um, ball issue. Yeah. Uh, the, I mean, it's a hardcover book that you buy. Yeah. It's like eight ball 22. It's like, yeah. all right, I guess this is an issue <laughs> of a comic. <laughs> the, it came out as a comic, like an oversized, um, he started doing oversized eight balls and then like they, he would, they would get republished as like hard covers. Right, right. But in the, uh, eight ball collection, he has behind the eight ball after all these stories. And he gives a little blurb about, um, what, what like background information on the stories and Sussy magazine published his art without um his permission ah and so he was like i was gonna steal a trick from ray bradbury who published 
um, who EC published his work without giving him credit. And so Ray Bradbury's tactic was he just sent them an invoice for like 200. He didn't give a fuck. I mean, he's Ray Bradbury. He's like one of the, he was like the Stephen King of his day. Yeah. Um, the, uh, he sent them EC an invoice of like, Hey, you apparently forgot to pay me. Here's the invoice for $200. And Bill Gaines was like, yes, sir. Here's your money. <laughs> That's and a cool move. <laughs> so Daniel Klaus, of course, tries doing that same move. And they're like, they threatened him like legal action. And they're like, you, if you come at us, we're going to come at you with lawyers. And so he like never fucking followed up in it. And he's like, this was my lame revenge on <laughs> Sussy Magazine was to just talk shit about them. And he was like, and it was kind of the vibe, like the, the tone changed about like he, he would hear people complain about the magazine that it's not cool anymore. He's like, so I'm going to put it in my book <laughs> <laughs> and ghost world was uh graffiti that he walked by. Yeah. It I was, was wondering where he got the title from. It was it like this first panel where you see the title, uh, painted on a garage door. I think that's where it came from. He saw it spray painted on a garage door this, and it's this, a great title. This, a great I title. totally agree. This episode of ghost world with Enid and Rebecca, it's mostly them just like, it's mostly Enid reporting about weirdos. She saw in a diner to Rebecca and then a little bit back and forth about guys they may or may not like, but it's mostly just a slice of life conversation. There's not like a plot per se. And it's just all the details of the, people that Enid is describing to Rebecca. And it's basically a window where it feels like it's a window into Klaus's mind, like what he notices as he walks around the world, slightly grotesque, slightly weird. Although it's one of those things where as you read Enid's description of weirdos, you find yourself thinking about the weirdos that you have seen walking around mm. and stuff. I mean, that's what I really enjoy about ghost world. Is it's I, like, it seems to illuminate the part of your mind. That's like, what's that person's story? Yes. And it, because when you really think about it, some of these people, you know, nothing like the people who she calls devil's worship, devil worshipers or witches. They're like <laughs> yeah. kind of like a Rosemary's baby couple and they don't do anything. And even the cashiers, like they're very friendly. <laughs> she yeah. thinks they're weird because they have like parasols and stuff or they use umbrellas. On One of them like, bald with like a mustache and she's a little bit older with big glasses and they have umbrellas to protect them from the sun. So she just decides they're Satanists. And yeah. then this creepy kid from their high school who has this fucking perverted <laughs> priest who's yeah. like a full-blown pedophile. And he's like, thinks it's great that computers can make child pornography so he doesn't actually like need real child pornography. Yeah. And this guy's going to publish it. It's all so fucked up. And it's like, yeah, this kid is a fucking creep. But, but even their opinions... Go ahead. Like... So much of the stuff they talk about rang true to me and uh, thoughts that I've had. And then I'm also like, well, did I fucking pick up some of these thoughts from reading this when I was younger? Like yeah. how much of this got ingrained from me reading where she, Enid talks about how hard it is to like things that terrible people also like. <laughs> the Which is something yeah. I think about all the time. I mean, yeah. with stuff, including... Daniel Klaus comics. <laughs> yeah. Well, Enid and Rebecca are like um, constantly absorbing media and they're constantly, I mean, not just in this episode of Ghost World, but in the next, like, however many there are, six or seven 
segments of Ghost World that exist in the next like 10 issues of 8-Ball. Um, they're always just like, I saw this weird thing on TV. I found this weird thing in a magazine. You know, um, I I ran into a weird person. Here's what they look like. Oh, the I love this. You know, they're always commenting on art stuff. I love these menus in these old restaurants. Where Who do they think they're fooling trying to seem old timey or whatever? And it's clearly Dan as a hipster guy obsessed with graphic art, just like projecting it onto people. Um, he says uh, in Behind the Eight Ball, like, yeah, there was there was this guy who my friend did describe as a tan bleach blonde Don Knotts, <laughs> uh, who's like an old guy who hung out at this cafe, which Angels was a real cafe. I think it was, um, it, and this one, he was in LA. Um, I think it was, uh, Mel's well, it was across the street from like, um, uh, the, the home Depot. <laughs> like, it was like around there. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. On sunset. Um, another almost plug from Ben Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the, uh, but it's like, it's when I, I remember reading ghost world, um, I think I read it when I was in my twenties, like in the nineties or something and being struck by, I, I just remember knowing, Oh, this is like unspeakably cool and funny. Like this is so subtle and precise, you know, and it's like buried treasure to be in this comic. That's at the end of the rack at a comic store. Yeah. It, it definitely felt like it was mine. Like it wasn't something that a lot of people were reading that might not have been true. And I, you know, obviously it's, it's been very successful, but it's not like reading Spider-Man, you know, you read no. Spider-Man and the world knows about Spider-Man. The world doesn't know about the happy fisherman, you know? <laughs> no, but I mean, it's like you, you read a superhero comic and like, especially from the time this was getting published and it's like, yeah, okay. This is a dumb story that scratches this itch where <laughs> like you're reading about a plot of some fucking electro draining the city's power but th there's 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 more to it and i feel like i rushed through some of the the first stories um, yeah we can go back i i kind of just meant we were gonna uh and I, it didn't happen just like what are the six stories that are in here and then we yeah i got it i got, I got two i got but then two will wanted it. to talk for an hour Oops. and a half about uh why he hates christians <laughs> that's right i had to get that in there the and the, the last story is a very short one called ectomorph <laughs> which is a two-pager <laughs> Um, just about Klaus, who's very skinny, and it's ectomorph by Tubby Klaus, and, and his insane grotesque portrait of him as a super skinny guy trying to get big, and just getting his ass kicked for no real reason, <laughs> and being embarrassed, and the world is against you. So but yeah, the, um, let's go back I to just the beginning. Kinda, in the party, which I think is so fucking good, and it reminds me of some other, um. Klaus stories that I love, like the stroll, which I think about all the fucking time. Yeah. Um, the stroll is a story where he's just walking around his neighborhood and, and it's like, it's so well drawn. And at one point he sees his reflection in a window and it's just like, ah, <laughs> and he sees teens and he's like, oh no, teens. <laughs> um, and then there's another story where he's on the subway and he's right. just having fantasies about like 
if we were all on a desert island together, like who would be my wife and like, who would we like, what would the outcome, like what would be the pecking order of the society we would have to create <laughs> and just these inner fantasies that he has. And the party fits in with all these where it's like kind of a, um, first person account. Like you're, you're getting it from, it's all from his point of view. It's like, you got the Klaus specs on. Right. Yeah. Like you're seeing the stairs as he walks up them, the door opens in front of the panel. It's like, you don't see his face. It's like your eyes are the, uh, his eyes. And everybody like, look at this. So on page one, this fourth panel on the right, this guy's face, look at his fucking eyes. Like he's, he's, he's all fucked up. Hello there, son. I'm Ross Perot. And he's doing a dumb joke. And like, the, you hear Klaus politely laugh, like, hey, hey, and then in his head, he's thinking, what a jerk. Come on, where but are it, you fuckheads? He's, he's at this party. He doesn't know anybody. He's looking for his friends who invited him and told him to come. He can't find them anywhere. Um, and some of this stuff is aged. The party, I think, has aged so well. Like, none of this shit has changed. And even the fucking Jenko jeans this guy's wearing are back. Like they are popular. Like this guy's look like that is a current look right now. Uh, somebody Klaus is pretty young when he does this story, you know, like 30 or something. And for somebody that age to be just hating people in their twenties is so relatable. He's basically hating his peers. Um, yeah, I like when somebody here is a little bit younger than him and he feels out of place. I mean, I related to some some of the stuff I just uh, attributed to Enid is actually from this story where like he talks about all the fucking dumb shit in people's apartments. And then he also has the realization that it's like, this is kind of no different than the stuff in my yeah. place. <laughs> and he talks about liking parties when he was their age because like there's this fantasy, you're going to meet the girl of your dreams and all this exciting stuff is going to happen. Which doesn't. And it's like, it's like, <laughs> no, you probably got too drunk. And like, there is this kind of lottery gambling mentality you had about going to all these parties. Like, this is going to be the one where my life's going to change. <laughs> and he's still uh, I've, also I've, like attracted to all the women. <laughs> yeah. like, he, he gets stuck staring at a girl's ass and he's like, don't look, don't look. And even in the background, the ass is so well drawn. Yeah. And just like often, like even characters he doesn't talk about, like panel like goes back to this dancing blonde girl like five times. Like his eyes are clearly being drawn to her, even though he doesn't really comment on her much. Yep. That's uh, I love that part of it. I also love a fan comes up. Somebody somebody approaches Dan and says, are you the artist? My friend's obsessed with you. And he thinks. um, some big fat guy with BO and acne, no doubt. God, uh, and I mean, I'm sure we can all relate to that in our small fame. If I'm at like, a party and someone's like, oh, my friend's a huge fan of yours. I'm like, I already know what this guy looks like. Which is <laughs> he looks like me. He's going to be like a bald, bespectacled guy in a plaid flannel shirt, a little too old for the scene. <laughs> and I'll be nice to him and we'll probably mm. get along. But I'm not like, I'm not psyched when somebody <laughs> says, I have to introduce someone who's a huge fan of you to you. Yeah, it would be either some like it would be a very weird person yeah. who, or or like a girl's like my girlfriend has a huge crush on you. And it's like, OK, I do not want, <laughs> yeah. I do not want to meet her because 
I have, I've, I've been through this enough where I have an impress. I, I have a feeling of who this person is going to be <laughs> or even now worse now where it's like, like I listened to action boys. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a true psycho. <laughs> <laughs> and this guy who, this guy, who's the fan of like, so she's a fan. She's kind of a mild fan, which I also like Mr. Clothes like kind of knows who she is and she's mm -hmm. terrible because she basically gets some annoying guy who doesn't really know him to talk to him and this guy's face is so fucking funny he's got this like toothy grin and i i actually have um it's actually behind me you guys can see it like this is um that's he's a, got a, a big dan klaus poster on the wall yeah and that's uh, like album art he did and that's like the promotional uh, poster from the art that they would hang in like mm. record stores and it's like i don't know that fucking band i got it because the klaus artwork and i don't <laughs> think he knows that that like i'm sure it's this experience we're right so this about. fan is yeah, yeah. is a fan of the band that klaus had done cover art for and he just wants to talk about the band yeah, yeah. he's like hey do you know those guys it. and klaus is immediately like no i talked to him <laughs> on the phone i know and then the guy will not shut up about and i I wonder if they're, I've never looked it up and maybe I'm the psycho that just has to do this if no one else has. Klaus is great at coming up with fake band names because like his level of disgust <laughs> is so clear. Like he, they're, like all these band names are like, yeah, they're really like, funny. You did the art for the meaningless molecules. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dale from the bladders and Harley pre-molecules. Pre molecules <laughs> They do a guitar version of Mood Wrench <laughs> uh, in advance of the new Spine Puppies disc, which is produced by Doug. I saw him in 88 when they sucked, but this is kind of like early sunroof. Like, <laughs> yeah. The proper nouns are pretty he, spectacular. Yeah. He always had, they're always like kind of just the, the most idiot. They're like, yeah, I'm a huge fuck knockers fan. They're all like <laughs> stuff like that. Um, um, then I, this, this to me is such good. Uh, another thing that I love about his comics where he's just looking at himself in the mirror. He like, he escapes this guy and goes into the bathroom. You get a quick self portrait of Klaus at this age. And then he has an inner fantasy that he illustrates in a completely different way. Kind of what um, uh, Kevin was talking about earlier, where it looks like it's from some um, instruction, like, like a fucking ad from the fifties yeah, yeah. or sixties or like an instructional page of a like drop and cover. Um, and it's him pretend like him and, and his buddies had a joke about like crashing a party and going to the bathroom and saying, you're going to kill yourself. <laughs> and then you finally let yourself out and you thank everybody for saving your life. <laughs> what an insane thing to happily fantasize about. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, also, throughout the party in the background, you, there's always this sound effect thump, thump, thump of like the music playing, which is sort of an ominous setting. Uh, the little speech he gives at the end, right before he finds his friends, is kind of interesting. Where he talks about he used to feel comfortable thinking of himself as an outsider, but now everybody thinks themselves as an outsider. So how can he? Um, that sort yeah. of like inner inner like conflicted monologue i also think of that as very clouds and that's something i used to love about its comics is people would have these sort of self-aware self-conscious monologues and i relate to it yeah and i relate to what he's talking about and then i mean while he's having this fucking 
Dean thought the piece of shit who's like annoying him that he had to escape is now hitting on the girl who he was also kind of sexually fantasizing about. Mm. Like, so it's, it's this perfect, like, okay. The, like, I kind of was attracted to this girl who was probably terrible and she's with this terrible guy. Like there's, it's (laughs) like lose, lose all around. Uh, then his friends show up. Somehow this last panel makes me laugh so much. The people that he was meeting are in the very last panel, and we hear Klaus's guy go, where the hell were you guys? And they say, we've been up on the roof doing ecstasy. <laughs> Somehow even that is like a damning self-portrait <laughs> of like his friends being just kind of idiots. Yeah. And and I like how he drew his friends, too, where it's like, okay, they're also kind of hipsters. They look a little bit cooler than the other, like, sweaty dance hall <laughs> guys. But um, I think of the party as, like, so um, one of the seminal close things. Because it's like, I read it, I relate to it, then I'll walk around after reading it, and I've kind of got Klaus's voice in my head. And it's it's a funny voice to have and a judgmental one, but also those times when I got to get rid of it. I'm like, man, I can't just walk around criticizing everything. I got to <laughs> just be cool with people being happy and not everything being meta ironic aware. You know what I mean? It's um, like it's like hipster sensibility can be toxic. Yeah, probably. I mean, unfortunately, I haven't been able to flush that out of my head for twenty years. <laughs> 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 You know, I met Klaus once. Like, so, so many of these guys, I, um, whose art I admire, I don't necessarily like them as a person. Like, okay. I, um, I remember going to the Society of Illustrators in New York, and they had this great pulp exhibit um, with the actual paintings that were then made into pulp novel covers. And I was like, oh, let's go to this. Um, and, Little did I realize they they had an upcoming uh, crumb exhibit happening on the second floor. And so I went there and I was like, oh, shit, there's also all this original crumb artwork. That's awesome. Um, And I found out when we left, crumb was there. He was (laughs) because it was I was there at like, you know, a Wednesday at 2 p.m. So it was just me and my girlfriend there walking around this museum. If we had just gone to one other room, he would have just been in there by himself. And I was like, <laughs> oh, that sucks. And then I was like, but no, it doesn't. He, would, I don't want to meet Chris. He's a fucking psychopath. Like, I don't want to meet him. <laughs> like, I, I, I like his artwork, but he's nuts. Like, and he'll probably like jerk off about my girlfriend later that night and like fucking curse me in his mind like I, I wanted nothing to do with him but like klaus i'm like oh i really like him like yeah. I, I he seems like a good guy i like his little crew of oakland illustrators like him and and chris ware and um adrian to mine like, yeah like i like his kind of crew of guys um, Peter Bag, he seems like a funny person. He toured the country with uh, Peter yeah. Bag for a while. As hate ball. Yeah, yeah. So, did you meet Klaus? So, I went to, uh, I, this has got to be like 2005 or six, maybe. And of course, I've left this book at a ex girlfriend's house. And I, I wish I, I, 
I have slowly been collecting Klaus stuff over the years. And at a certain point, I was like, I'm going to stop buying this stuff. And I fully regret like either giving stuff away or passing it. And I'm like, I wish I had that. Yeah. <laughs> but when uh, Will brought it up before, I don't know, like 8-Ball 22 or 23 is a story called The Ice Haven, which is really good. Um, one of my favorites. And he published that as a hardcover book. And it's it's a cool, it's um the size of it I always like too. It's it's almost like postcard size. And um he did a signing at a now closed Barnes and Noble around like 17th Street or something. And I was like, fuck, I'm gonna go there. Not a lot of people there, true hardcore nerds. <laughs> um and one of the most annoying Q and A's I've ever been to of everybody just being like, hi, my question is, I really enjoy your work. And the first time I read no question, just like giving their fucking, yeah. their podcast episode about it. Yeah. <laughs> and so I went through and I wait in line and I get him to, I'm like sign. I, I got him to sign. It was called the modern cartoonist. It right. was a little pamphlet that he, he had in, one eight ball issue. I don't remember which one it, might it is. Might have been Death Ray. Um, and it's like this thin, it looks like an instruction manual. And it's full of actual good advice, but I had him sign it and he was like making fun of the paper. Like he he was like art, still criticizing. He was like, <laughs> I printed this on toilet tissue. I don't know why like this is going to go right through. Um, and it was very exciting to, and I was like legitimately starstruck, uh, meeting Dan Klaus. And I remember making a joke about like them not exiting. Like, I was like, there's no, they don't, where, which direction do I go? It's like, this is like a award show. And I, and he laughed a non-polite laugh. Nice. You got <laughs> it him. felt very good. You got That's him. the win. Uh, modern cartoonist was an eight ball 18. It's the, it's the issue of eight ball right before they start doing David boring. It's kind of the last like actual anthology issue of eight ball before they just become full stories. Do you, um, do you guys ever listen to cartoonist kayfabe? Um, it's a podcast I listen to every once in a while. It's, um, uh, Ed Piscor, um, is one of the hosts who I think is, is a good artist and, we're the same age and, and I definitely like overlap with a lot of the stuff he's into. Um, not completely, but like he was, they were talking about Klaus on an episode a, a while back. I think it was when the, um, the hardcover book came out and he was on the set of one of Klaus. Like, I think it was Wilson. They did a movie for, which is very bad. Klaus's stuff does not translate the film. I don't think yeah, the, the most Wilson. successful attempt. Has been Ghost World, which is pretty good, but otherwise, yeah. like, it also it changed a lot. Yeah, the um, Wilson, I was not a fan of, but he, uh, uh, and this is a secondhand Ed Piscor story where he was there on set or something with another artist, and they're big fans of this guy, and he was talking about the the chasm between like indie guys and like superhero guys. Mm -hmm. And I get that. Like there, there's something like not cool and dorky, but, but he's like, you know, people in my generation, we didn't give a fuck. Like you just like both. It's like, yeah, I like all this stuff. Yeah. Um, I like X-Men, you know? Yeah. The, and uh, Klaus is still, 
he was there. He was very friendly. And, and when these guys left, he's like, okay, boys, go ahead and read your Jim Stark in, or <laughs> like the guy who wrote like Adam Warlock and like all yeah, those Starlin, like 90 yeah. Starlin. Yeah. And just kind of digging them for like, go read your lame uh, bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> And I was like, he still got it, even all these years <laughs> later. <laughs> um, so have we? I feel like we've we've covered it pretty well, and I, I apologize for talking so much, Ben. But that's my oh no, I could I could go my, on and on. That's my mo. Um, um, do you still? So you're still a big Klaus fan? You still keep an eye out for the stuff? He doesn't really do as much anymore, though, right? His last book, I mean, he spent years writing it, and it was um like kind of a sci-fi time travel story. It oh, was right. pretty good. But yeah. that came out a few years ago. And, you know, even this eight ball thing, the, the, the compilation, I have all the eight ball issues, you know? And I was like, yeah. am I really going to buy this dumb fucking thing? And I was like, I'm going to be mad if I don't get it. And then it's like, yeah. goes out of print or something. So I picked it up and, um, like two years went by. And then I was like, you know what? I need a little inspiration. I'm going to go through, I'm going to read the fucking special features of this. Like the, I'm going to go yeah. just go through and read them all. And I finished it. And then like two days later, um, Brandon Gardner was like, Hey, have you seen um, like under the silver lake or like beneath the silver lake? I can't remember the title of the movie. Yeah. Under and the silver like, lake. No, he's like, he's like, I think you should check it out. Like, and clearly the guy had just read the same thing I read and then wrote his own screenplay based. It's like one of the most Klaus influenced movies I've ever hmm. seen to the point where I got very distracted and had mixed feelings about it. Yeah. Cause this guy also, um, wrote and directed it follows, which to me had yeah. a very like Charles Burns feel about it. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, this dude's inspiration is like straight off the fucking indie comic book shelf. Nothing wrong yeah. with that. But it was yeah. very bizarre to have that experience. So like you, you again, it's like you see Klaus stuff all over the place. Yeah. Once you read his stuff, I digress. Uh, whenever I have, whatever I feel my mouth is slightly open. I'm like, I must look like a Klaus guy. That, that to me truly is like <laughs> a sign of a Klaus character, mouth open, teeth looking weird. Uh, not I, I mean, I, I, and I don't even think they're necessarily ugly they're all just like very interesting looking and i'm all for it um i i always watch like movies and stuff we didn't really get to the movie adaptation and this this which is huh. also very funny but yeah. it kind of requires i think like knowledge of the previous stuff to fully get it but everybody in books or movies is too fucking attractive a lot of the times where yeah. I'm, I, I my thing is always like if you saw this person there would be a 20 minute conversation about how fucking hot they were yeah. <laughs> before you could move on with just like, <laughs> and not even in like a desirable way. It would be like, you just could like be a remarkable like, way. Yes. You would just be like, we have to talk about this, right? Yeah. <laughs> like this person's like some sort of God. <laughs> like, you, you don't get that in, in his comedy. And like, <laughs> And then fucking and like open a fucking Marvel comic book. It's the same thing. Everybody's like super hot. I mean, they're trying better now to make everybody look like it's it's they're trying to diversify um, characters, which I think is great. But still, everybody's very like, yeah, yeah they're not looking. diversifying attractiveness. They're keeping yes, that yes. pretty uniform. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're just no, not all yeah. white men. <laughs> attractive yes. of all races. And 
And yeah. I mean, and I'm all for it because like I think a big part of the reason I got into Spider-Man was I was like, I think I kind of look like Peter Parker. So I'm like a hundred percent like yeah, yeah, representation. Yeah, it works. Like you're a kid um, and you're like, this is me. But I do but as like, a guy with a pop belly, when I'm watching movies, I just count, I can usually count on like three fingers how many people in the movie are not completely trim little uh clothes mannequins. Anytime there's like a pot belly person who's who's not like fully obese, I I go ding out loud, I guess I'm as I'm watching. <laughs> Well, I do love the Safety Brothers movies because, like, they cast a lot of like real people, and yeah. even the um, like the attractive people, like Robert Pattinson, is in Good Time, and like that's part of the story is he's able to kind of like seduce women, yeah, like that. That plays into it. They don't ignore it and pretend like this is just a run of the mill person, yeah. But I really liked um, Licorice Pizza also because like everybody looks pretty like a real person yeah yeah it's remarkable and, you know, when it only, happens yeah and the people who are like movie stars in it are playing like industry movie star type people yeah yeah i've not seen anyway, that another i i i do you guys remember in catcher in the rye when they're like in debate team and like if you go off topic people yell um Digression. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that. That's a catcher uh, in the rye. I think about it all the fucking time because I, <laughs> I'm in my head. I hear those kids screaming digression. <laughs> that will end the fucking podcast. <laughs> it's totally all right. We, you know, um, yeah, this is a rambly podcast. So it's uh, a rambly uh, podcast, and we are unburdened by financial pressure. Let's put it that way. Uh, we don't have a lot of advertisers <laughs> who are demanding that we make it uh, more mainstream and sellable. Yeah, yeah. So. You got to get some of the old school comic book advertisers to show. You should just do it for free. Like, let's specs. do a fucking. Yeah. yeah, let's, yeah. Uh, Big League Chew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sea monkeys. Sea monkeys. Yeah. Um, ben, thanks so much for coming on and talk about this. Yeah, Ben. It was great hearing you. Uh, Talk about eight ball so in depth, man. Jesus, I, I, I've read some eight ball, but not. I don't think I've read everything. And I also like. I think Will introduced it to me when I was too young for it, and then I yeah. came back to it much later. Uh, and so I've never uh, got sucked into all of it. But it's such great to hear somebody who knows every detail about it. It's awesome. It was a, a true pleasure. Always fun to hang out with the Heinz brothers. We'll <laughs> tell Brian you say hi. I mean, are you guys going to talk in the, the intro, like how long I've known you guys? I mean, the years have fucking added up. It's terrifying. How long have we known each other? Man, uh, what are we talking? We're talking. Eight, uh, I mean, you guys knew me when I was a fucking teenager. That's I mean, correct. Like, yeah. Yeah. You were 19 when we met, I think. Yeah, Probably it's, something it's, like it's that. Under 20 years, but not a lot under, I would think. Yes, you were a true child. I was... 30 and you were a 19 year old which is like <laughs> that's a much bigger difference than it feels now for example and like i kind of bumped into you guys a lot before like i was i actually became friends with you like i remember seeing kevin at a party and being like okay this this fucking dude and then you don't realize <laughs> yeah. that you're gonna like be friends up. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> to know we're gonna perform together for years and and, I just now, remember, and, and now I just remember liking your improv. I remember Ben would do improv with Shitstorm and be like, good. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, that guy's good. But now it's, yeah, it's terrifying. It was, it was, it was funny 
to both read these comic books and f- to prepare to talk to you guys, <laughs> um, which have both been such long parts of my life. Um, but yeah, always fun to talk to you guys. Thank you, Ben. Thanks, Ben. Later, dudes. Take care, man. All right. That was our interview with Ben Rogers. Kevin, how do you think it went? I think it went really bad. Um, <laughs> he seemed angry when he logged off. Uh, he was ready him. to keep talking. He wanted, he, he, <laughs> he, wanted, he, he wanted, loves he talking wanted, books. I, I love that about Ben. He wanted to do a four hour episode, maybe, uh, which we, you know, we, what do we do? An hour and a half? We, 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 gave him, we gave him some good time, which he deserves. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I think it went well. I think it was fun. Ben, Hopefully, a, if you haven't read 8-Ball, that this episode kind of helped you visualize what those books are like. And if you did read 8-Ball or do read 8-Ball, uh, it helped you uh, remember and revisit that. It's a hard yeah. book to sort of bring to life if you haven't read it. It's so, so much what about else the like it. drawings. Yeah, yeah. It's, so un- it's such a unique combination of things. Like even those other artists we mentioned at the end, it's like, oh, I've read Chris Ware. It's like, no, it's not like that. No. Uh, Hate is probably Peter Bag. Peter Peter Bag is the closest in in energy. Uh, Some crumb stuff, yeah. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, uh, I really do think Klaus is spectacular, and if anybody bother, uh, you know, checks him out, I think you'll you'll at least find it interesting, and you might really really like it. Yeah. Um, I was glad we got into it. Ben is definitely one of my friends. Where. We've been friends for a long time. That was going to be the end of your sentence. He's definitely one of my friends. friends. Period. Yep. (laughs) But uh, where I've known him long enough that I've I've known several modes of him. Like when we first met him as an actor and a comedian, then I found out he was a big comics fan, and now we both live in LA, and we've kind of we've bonded over that. Like we'll meet and talk comics. Uh, and it's kind of like a, a a new act of our friendship. And Kevin, and, and I feel like that's something you guys would bond over too. And that would be kind of like a new area for your friendship. It's kind of fun when you discover that about somebody mm-hmm. like, oh, you're a comics nerd too. That's cool. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I wish I lived out in LA. There's so many people out there that I, I, I don't talk to nearly as much. I haven't talked to Ben since whenever I last visited you, which was forever ago. Yeah, well, this is my pitch. I think you should uproot the family, mm-hmm. you know, move out here. Like, I don't know, next week, you know, see if you can get that sure. together. Great. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll throw something together. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we're gonna we'll, yeah, we'll have a mutants and mailbag episode next week. I'm pretty sure. I'm, I'm gonna commit to it. We will, and maybe a couple of weeks off, and then we're gonna do the Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. Um, Dark Knight Returns, which, as I said, we've recorded it in less, uh, but we may have had technical difficulties. So I think I might have, might have one episode we might have to redo. We'll see. We'll have to figure that out. Uh, okay. Otherwise, they were they were real good though. Probably unreplaceable. Yeah, we've we've hurt the world if the audio is bad on those on those recordings. Okay, everybody, uh, see you later. Bye. Bye, everyone. Hey, Rachel, Oscar. Yeah, Claire? Claire? Do you love Disney movies? Uh Uh-huh. Have you seen them all? Not Not all of them. What do you guys think if we watch them all in chronological order and then talk about them? Ooh. Oh, and what if we could talk about it with some of our favorite friends? (gasps) I love that. Yeah, what if we do it inside the Disney vault? You know, that's the name of our podcast, Inside the Disney Vault on Campfire Media. Yeah, check us out on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to yours. That's Inside the Disney Vault. Let's go. Campfire.